It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. Socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. What it means is, is that government controls it through rules and regulations. The latest in politics and world affairs. Under this guise of bipartisanship and nonpartisanship, it's actually tapped down the truth. Today's current opinions and ideas. On an equal field in the battle of ideas, mistruths or misconceptions, and it is getting us into a world of hurt. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, valued. You have purpose today. Strive for excellence. Uh, take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, you were made for this moment. And thank you to this team I work with. That's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Jen, Echo, Charlie, and all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Wednesday to you, producer Steve. Yeah, wonderful Wednesday. And I guess we need to emphasize it because some people might be getting up saying, oh, it's Tuesday. Yes, because of the long weekend. So, yes, yep. it is Wednesday. Uh, and uh, so uh, Wednesday all day long, for sure. And check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. It comes out on Sundays. You'll get first look at our upcoming guests as well as our most recent essays and, podca- uh, uh, and podcasts. And then those will be housed at Kim Munson dot com. Zach gets those up the same day then on Sunday. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com. And thank you to all of you who support us. Uh, yesterday, we had a really special uh, woman in studio, Trisha Hood, and we recorded our our America's Veteran Stories um, interview for this Sunday. And, and she talked about her husband, Dr. Donald Hood, who passed on in 2012. But he was so interesting. He was an optometrist in the Army in the Vietnam War. And he was an 82nd Airborne because um, the Army wanted to get optometrist to the front line so he he was on the front line as an optometrist it's absolutely fascinating steve <laughs> i you know i when we do those recordings i'm usually my attention can go a couple different places i didn't hear the a lot actual, of things. I, well i didn't hear the actual reason that you know the army wanted him why he was in the theater that makes sense but to put him on the front line uh that part i missed and it's rather baffling it's it's very interesting because if a soldier's glasses were damaged uh, and there was not an optometrist on the front line, sometimes they were idle and could not um, be a productive soldier until they got their glasses. Okay. Uh, so it could be a couple of weeks. So putting an optometrist on the front line uh, uh, actually eliminated a lot of that time. Or it, uh, and so it was fascinating. I hadn't even thought about it. So very fascinating. Well, it grabs your attention in a couple different ways, you know, in terms of somebody of that caliber with that skill level, that education is an airborne. Yes, I know. An optometrist that uh, jumps out of planes. Uh, so you will not want to miss that. It's a fascinating interview. That'll be this Sunday from 3 to 4 p.m. And then the way Charlie has it is... Uh, uh, there's America's Veteran Stories, again, 10 to 11, but that is last week's uh, interview. And then um, on Saturday, there's one from 10 to 11 as well, and that is the previous week. So you can hear three different uh, America's Veteran Stories stories on a weekend. So it's pretty fascinating. But uh, let's continue on here with our quote for today. We've got uh, just a great show planned for you. 
Uh, in the second segment, we'll talk with Peter Lupia, who is running for El Paso County Clerk and Recorder. These are very important jobs. Then we'll uh, have Lisa Bennett, who is the owner of Wild Skies, which is a, a great, beautiful cabin out on the western slope. Uh, it's a destination cabin. And uh, we'll be talking about rural issues and just some, some things going on in America right now. And then in the second hour, Joshua Dunn, who is um, a professor with, um, let's see, CU at Colorado Springs, we're going to talk about the Supreme Court leak. So that is why we're talking Supreme Court, that I decided to choose Clarence Thomas as our quote for today. And Clarence Thomas is an American lawyer who serves as an associate justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. He was nominated by President George H.W. Bush to succeed Thurgood Marshall and has served since 1991. He is the second black American to serve on the court after Marshall. He was born in 1948. And Steve, this is such an important quote. He said, to define each of us by our race is nothing short of a denial of our humanity. Obviously, picking up right where Martin Luther King left off. And when I hear quotes like that from people like him, it just, you know, the very first thought is, and, and understanding what we've been through for the last two to three years now with Black Lives Matter, I, it just leaves you scratching your head. Well, and, and then also this uh, CRT, uh, or whatever the iterations are, there's different ways they call it. They say, oh, we're not teaching CRT because that's not the name, but they're teaching the tenets of that. And basically, it teaches kids that because of color, race, because of race, one, one group is oppressed, the other is the oppressor, and all it is ever going to do is divide people and to identify with a group instead of identifying with, as Jay Davidson says, the, the sanctity of the individual. Um, that is what it, it's so divisive. And we really saw it start to rear its ugly head when Barack Obama was president. So many people had such, such great hopes for him because he was a black American. Uh, and he actually uh, really stoked the fires of division. We've made a lot of progress on race relations in America. And he came in and, and really stoked the d uh, division. And uh, then, of course, this administration is continuing on with that. And he's and still, he's, he's the divider in chief and has been and probably looks like he will continue to be so. He's still at it. He is still at it. And we must say no. And, and again, I love this quote by Clarence Thomas. To define each of us by our race is nothing short of a denial of our humanity. And just think about that. Just think about which party is trying to divide us. And that is, that is the Democrat Party of today. This is no longer the Democrat Party of JFK, uh, Steve. Although the divider-in-chief did... Uh, uh touched down on some scorched earth last week he had the the gall to try to remind people in a tweet that um, the situation in texas uh was occurring on the anniversary of george floyd's death and many people from all walks of life did not care for that analogy yes again uh, trying to divide um, people and um, we are the United States of America and what can we unite behind this idea of the vision of the declaration that all men are created equal with rights from God of life liberty and pursuit of happiness and first and foremost government is instituted to protect those rights 
and um, and we see that those rights are under assault significantly. That's why we do this show. We look at these issues through the, we're searching for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. And my friends, it's never compassionate uh, to take other people's rights, their property, their freedom, or their livelihood via force, whether with a weapon, policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, uh, government-induced inflation, or the globalist elite's agenda. And that is why we do this show. So let's go over to the, um, Patty has, has pulled a number of important headlines, but the first one I wanted to go to is this one uh, regarding The Hill. The Hill uh, is a publication that leans to the left. And Polis is out there saying the GOP is trying to manage everybody's lives. And uh, in this, uh, he said, asked about the country's political divisions, Polis said that he still believes that both parties are broad tents. Although he described an ascendancy in the Republican Party of efforts to manage everybody's lives. Uh, wait just a minute. Let's go back to uh, Patty has a little list here of things during the pandemic of Polis wanting to manage our lives and uh, said we need to remember this as we're going to the um, going to, to vote uh, uh, just exactly what he did with his power uh, during the pandemic. And uh, let's see here. Remember, first of all, Steve, right out of the bat, all those highway signs, stay home, save a life, stay home. And remember when he determined, or he and his minions uh, determined there were some businesses that were essential that some weren't. Doesn't that seem like he was trying to control people's lives, Steve? Well, you asked, do I remember that? And I'm at the point, I don't remember what I had for breakfast, but those things I remember, yes. Uh Uh-huh. I remember there was a dad in the park with his family during uh, the early reaction to COVID, and he was arrested. Um, I think he's trying to control people's lives. Uh, he did an executive order that mandated all businesses reduce their in-person workforce by 50%. And again, I mentioned he determined which some businesses could stay open, such as alcohol stores and um, uh, marijuana stores, but churches were to be closed. Uh, let's see here. Elective surgeries were canceled because of this. Now, he said something in this, uh, there's something in this article about that, that uh, the emergency uh, declaration had ended. And I'm going to have to ask Patty if that's true. I don't, do not recall him rescinding that emergency declaration. So we need to verify that. But uh, he went on to say there's going to be a national backdrop of saving people money and costs. Uh, wait a minute. Um, we saw legislation that had been passed here in Colorado increasing fees on gas. Uh, there's going to be a temporary um, vacation on that, if you will, till after the election. Um, but again, uh, he's not really reducing costs. He's still still waiting till after the election. I found this interesting. Asking asked his views on the potential repeal of the Trump era dictate, the Title Forty Two border management policy. Polis he deflected here, Steve. He emphasized that Colorado is not a border state, and what Title Forty Two does it enables officials to expel foreign national nationals quickly under pandemic rules. Well, uh, and it's supposed to end next week, but a federal judge appointed by former President Trump has tempor- temporarily halted the rollback. 
Uh, we are a border state, and the reason is is because I twenty five. It's it's uh, just a quarter from the border up to here, and we see the results of of that. Uh, it's significant. Colorado is broken. As as much as he wants, as Polis wants to say that Colorado is in great shape, it's not. It's broken, and we need to elect uh, um, grassroots candidates think, that can fix this, Steve. Well, I, I love the way he plays games uh, with words in terms of okay, geographically or geographically speaking, no, we're not a border state, but at least have an opinion, man. Come out and and tell us what you know, what is right, what is wrong, and he won't do it. Right. And uh, he did say that uh, he supported Biden's uh, bipartisan infrastructure bill. This out of control spending is um, is what is causing all this inflation. So once again, and he he has good handlers. He's an excellent politician as far as deflecting, uh, trying to take credit for things that he didn't do, trying to. again deflect uh, some of the things that he has done but patty was beside herself she said he must be listening to us because on this five hundred dollars that's four or five hundred dollars that every taxpayer is uh well now i wonder how i wonder exactly how that's going to be but um anyway the five hundred dollars that's going to be sent out shortly before election is nothing more than pandering and we do not need pandering politicians. What we need is we need elected rep- representatives. Again, these grassroots candidates are who we need to get into office. But he said, we want to help people hold on to more of their hard-earned money. Uh, um, I'm, I'm just aghast at that. With the cost of living in Colorado uh, that is so high, and it's because of bad public policy. And he is at the helm of that bad, bad public policy producer, Steve. And the other indicators that are dropping all around him, and you know, is Denver under his purvey? Yeah, I guess it is. But you know, he'll he'll say no. I've I've got all of Colorado to worry about. But Denver recently dropping from number fourteen to number fifty-five in the livable cities list. You know, again, you say it's broken. I mean, there are indicators mm-hmm. everywhere. Yes, and these grassroots candidates uh, can fix this. So let's go to break. When we come back, we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk with Peter Lupia, and he is running for El Paso County Clerk and Recorder. And we realize that these are very, very important races. So uh, we'll be right back. The Metro home ownership real estate market is very tight right now. That's why Kim Munson recommends you have seasoned REMAX realtor Karen Levine on your side of the table. Karen Levine will help you navigate through the many details of your home buying experience so that you can successfully pursue your American dream. Because Karen Levine cares about property rights for each individual, she volunteers hundreds of hours to represent home ownership opportunities at the local, county, state, and national levels. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. Medical freedom, patient choice, and informed consent are all staples of comprehensive health care. You'll find exactly that at Roots Medical, located in the Denver Tech Center, offering specialties in hormones, thyroid, gut health, detox, and COVID recovery. Functional, comprehensive primary health care. Roots Medical, getting to the root of your health care concerns. For more information, visit rootsmedical.net. Roots Medical is a proud member of Colorado Healthcare Providers for Freedom. 
All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Buying a gun alone doesn't make you safe. Recently, the team at Franktown Firearms has been working with a lot of beginners who just want to feel safe. Widows living alone who need to protect themselves. People with arthritis in their hands who may struggle to load or rack a handgun, depending on the model. Anyone can learn defensive shooting skills, and buying a gun is a great first step. But you need to know how to use it confidently. The team at Franktown Firearms encourages everyone to try out different guns on the range before purchasing. Right now, mention KLZ to receive a free hour on the range when you purchase a new firearm. Once you've purchased your firearm, the team at Franktown advises you to sign up for one of their basic training courses or one-on-one instruction so you can become completely comfortable with that particular gun. Free gun rentals are included with private training lessons. Visit klzradio.com franktown now. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. Hey, welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. On the line with me is Peter Lupia. He is running for El Paso County Clerk and Recorder. Peter, welcome to the show. Good morning, Kim. Thanks for having me. Well, th- uh, thank you. Um, we are realizing these county clerk and recorder races are very important. Peter, why have you decided to throw your hat in the ring? Well, a couple different reasons, Kim. Uh, first and foremost, was absolutely uh, blown away by what we witnessed in 2020 with the election there, and then witnessed again with the 2021 elections. And so uh, I had a number of people asking me, um, you know, what I thought and how how I felt we could get things put back together. And I noticed that the candidate that was running for the Republican Party down here was a, a longtime uh, bureaucrat and uh, was elected. He, he's actually the elected assessor down here. And I'm not a I'm not a fan of people who um, just transfer from one job to the next. They've been a government employee or an elected official and who who will stand in front of a crowd and say the best person to elect is me because I'm already elected official. And I, I, I paid attention to the fact that, you know, these people have been in office. Uh, I'll call them the establishment folks in the Republican Party have been in office and look where we are and look what that's gotten us. And I believe it's time for a change in our country and our county down here in El Paso County, particularly um, is definitely in need of some change and turning back to the Constitution. And so I decided, you know, now now is the time. And so uh, I, I came forward based on the fact that I just don't believe we're headed in the right direction and it's time for a change. Uh, Peter, as I look at Colorado, and I was just talking about a piece from The Hill uh, about Jared Polis, then that, that particular um, publication typically leans left. And so mm-hmm. trying to make Polis look good. But when sure. we really look at Colorado, Colorado, Colorado is broken. And it is broken, I think, because 
first of all, the Democrats are in control, and the radical activist Democrats. Uh, I've got to think moderate Democrats, libertarians, unaffiliated, conservatives, Republicans, all are looking at Colorado. We're looking at crime. We're number one in car thefts. We're number one in uh, bank robberies. Uh, and this is not a Colorado that I, that I moved to that I loved. And I really do think that it is the grassroots candidates that have said enough and are saying, okay, I'm going to step forward. I'm going to run for office because we need to reclaim the Colorado that we love, Peter. That's a, that's a hundred percent accurate. And, um, my, my family, uh, my children represent the fifth generation of my family here in El Paso County. And so it's not the Colorado that we, we all know and love. Um, and, you know, there's there's one thing to making Colorado a better place with some bipartisanship. But what we're seeing is um, really Republicans in name only who are willing to uh, willingly give up our rights and work with the Democrats. I know uh, we've been frustrated down here with our current clerk and recorder who's term limited out, um, who's voting uh in favor of the things that are changing the elections here in Colorado. And as you know, and you mentioned in opening, you know, the elections are the, the basis for everything that happens. And so um, a lot of people don't even understand the, the job of clerk and recorder, unfortunately. Um, and they don't realize that, you know, this, this role is really what's responsible for the oversight of all of our elections and at the local level, um, which then impacts the state level, which then impacts even our national level, um, candidates across all those boards. And so when we're talking about a broken system, the system has to start um, being repaired at the local level. And a large part of that is the election system and the elections process to get the right people in place to fix all of these things that are going wrong. And, and Kim, I, I would suggest um, I want to give people hope. I know a lot of people think that Colorado's lost, but you know, Colorado, outside of the the foolishness that's gone on with the elections and the fraud that's gone on in our elections, Colorado, I believe, really is still a red-leaning state. Um, we're told we're a blue state, we're a deep blue state now. Um, but when you when you have the opportunity to look back at the things that happened in even elections in 2016, when we first started using the Dominion machines, um, there are there's evidence that the machines, even in year number one were influential in the outcome of the elections. And then 2018, it got ratcheted up even a little bit more. 2020, we saw what happened there, um, and even in 2021. So a large part of what we need to do to just um, bring our state back and turn that corner back is to get our elections under control. Because uh, like you said, we're number one in all the things that we don't want to be number one in. And as you were talking about earlier in our show, the things we do want to be high on the list for, we're dropping rapidly as, place, mm -hmm. as a place that people want to live and et cetera. So, um, you know, it all just comes back to getting the elections under, under control. And, and that's what we're fighting to do here in El Paso County. Well, and Peter, as I've watched this um, <clears throat> play out, <clears throat> more and more truth is coming out every day regarding election manipulation uh, with Dinesh D'Souza's uh, movie, 2000 Mules, Molly Hemingway's book, Rigged. More and more truth is coming out every day. Uh, we've got a, just a, a couple of minutes left, and I think you were alluding to the Senate Bill 22153, which has, has um, 
I think I'm I'm not sure if Polis has signed that yet. Patty will let me know. But it basically centralizes the control of our elections within the Secret- Secretary of State's office. And America was founded on decentralizing power instead of centralizing power. So my friends, again, moderate Democrats, unaffiliated, libertarians, Republicans, conservatives, anytime we see centralization of government, we need to vote those particular people out. What's your thoughts on Senate Bill 153? Uh, central, centralized elections is an absolutely terrible idea. Um, and I'll, I'll just say that uh, I have been up to the Capitol uh, multiple times as this bill was going through the Senate and the House to testify against it. Um, I just testified uh, earlier uh, last week in a Secretary of State hearing on codifying some of those um, rules that they've put into place. Um, so I'm absolutely in opposition to it, um, and it, it it causes so many problems. There's existing state statute um, that it conflicts with. It goes against the U.S. Constitution. It goes against our state constitution. Um, so there's a number of challenges uh, that are going to be created by the signing of this bill. And uh, I'm with I'm with you as far as I know. The information that we have says Jared uh, Polis hasn't signed it yet, and it has to happen within the next uh, day or two in order for it to fall within the 10 days. So um, prayerfully, maybe he's had a change of heart and isn't willing to, to sign that, but the way that it moved through the, the legislature. But it, it takes away basically – the majority of local control over all elections. So mm-hmm. it strips clerks and recorders uh, of the the things that they're elected to do. Um, it makes them have to be accountable, uh, basically becomes an elected employee of the Secretary of State if everything they want to do is, is, is put into place and codified. So um, we're absolutely in opposition to that. We're fighting against it um, as clerk and recorder. I've even said that we'll stand in opposition um, and do the things that we need to do, uh, much like uh, my friend Tina Peters did out in Mesa County. We're gonna we're gonna audit things, even though they're telling us we're not supposed to be auditing, and you know we're gonna stand in the gap for the people to make sure that our elections are fair and transparent, that we have the best security and integrity in our election system here in El Paso County. Well, and if we do if we do not have free and fair and honest elections, then we really don't have a country. So that's why these races are so important. Now, I think if Polis, Polis needs to veto this because it can uh, go into law without a signature after a certain amount of time. Peter Lapia, uh, how can people get more information about you? Um, they can visit my website, which is uh, very uh, straightforward. It's vote Peter Lupia. Uh, my last name is spelled L-U-P-I-A. So votepeterlupia.com. Um, they can send an email through there. Uh, they can call me. I, I respond to everything myself personally. So I would love to have an opportunity to connect with anyone that has questions, get them more information. We've got all of the Mesa County um, reports up on my website. We've got the uh, Colorado canvassing report up there. And so we try to keep everyone abreast and use that as uh, not only a campaign site, but an education site so people understand the importance of what we're fighting for here in Colorado. Okay. Uh, Peter, thank you so much. And again, that's votepeterlupia.com. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kim. Appreciate the opportunity. Have a blessed day. You too. And um, the show comes to you. We're an independent voice. And the show comes to you because of your support. But I have really great 
uh, um, partners who are sponsors, and one of those is Lauren Levy. He is a sponsor of both the Kim Munson Show and America's Veteran Stories, and he's an expert in the mortgage arena. Uh, Lauren Levy, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Kim. Okay, you're our go-to person on what's going on with the Fed and interest rates, creativity in the mortgage market. So what's the latest, Lauren Levy? So the latest is that we've seen, we saw a little bit of a dip down in rates ever so slightly over the last week. Uh, yesterday, they rose back up just a little bit because we had one of the Fed governors come out saying he was in favor of doing more, um, even raising rates at the Fed level, even more than what they determined to be neutral. So that caused the rates to just jump up ever so slightly. But we're in the same range we've been in for a little while, Kim, where, you know, rates have just gone up on home buyers and, and home refinancers. And so, you know, what we're recommending is that people, before they do anything, contact us to see if there's a more creative way to do things, whether it be through just doing a second mortgage if they want to take equity out of their home or an adjustable rate mortgage if they want to purchase. But definitely have a conversation with us before doing anything. Well, and uh, when, whenever things happen, uh, the creativity and innovation of our free markets uh, kicks in, and uh, that's happening in the mortgage market as well. And Lauren, you work with a lot of different lenders, which is, I think, is super important during this particular time. Instead of some mortgage um, uh, folks actually just work with one lender, you work with many different ones. So you've got a lot of options for people uh, as they're trying to figure out what to do in this in this um, kind of challenging environment. It's true, and it, the the beauty of it is that not all lenders create products or take on new products at the same pace as others. So there may be a lender that has already uh, come out with, let's say, like a second mortgage product that's great for people that other lenders have yet to roll out. And so it's a, it's, a, it's helpful to work with someone that has access to a lot of different lenders for sure. So what's the best way for people to reach you, Lauren Levy? The best way is just give the office a call at 303-880-8881. Okay, that's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Lauren, we'll talk to you next week. Okay, thank you, Kim. Okay, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Lisa Bennett. She's an expert on uh, issues regarding uh, rural Colorado, as well as just very, very well informed on a number of different things. So when we come back, we'll be talking with Lisa Bennett. Stay tuned. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on. That's why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now, more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. Kim has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim can use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. 
Again, help Kim by contributing at Kim Munson. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. And I mentioned Colorado, as you look at Colorado right now, Colorado is broken because of bad public policy. And unfortunately, we have had Republicans that have reached so far across the aisle that they are standing on the other side of the aisle. But we can fix this. We have great grassroots candidates across the spectrum. And they're stepping forward so that we can fix Colorado. It can be done. And this is the election cycle to do this. Uh, Lisa Bennett is on the line. Always an important conversation with her. She is the owner of Wild Skies Flat Tops Cabin, which is a year-round vacation destination with a half mile of private river frontage and surrounded on three sides by the Route National Forest. It's ideal for snowmobiling, snowshoeing, cross-country skiing, hiking, fishing, hunting, and horseback riding. Lisa Bennett, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. You know, it's always a great conversation. And let's jump right in here because I want to continue to discuss the ramifications of government overreach and how for so many years we've let things creep into our federal and state constitutions, our laws, and our agencies. And yesterday we saw corruption within the justice system with the Sussman verdict. So if uh, COVID has taught us anything about government involvement, it has taught us how ugly it is when government has the power to control our lives and our livelihoods, Lisa. I couldn't have said it better, Kim. Um, Ugly can be used for a lot of things that have happened with our government throughout the years. Uh, I particularly want to point out in 2020 in Ohio, there was a restaurant owner named J.J. Sauber. And on the first night that the governor of Ohio allowed restaurants to reopen, Governor DeWine said that they, that the restaurants had to act as policing agents for the state. So in other words, they're asking private businesses to enforce mask mandates and the like. Now, for many of you, you might think, oh, masks are in the past. Well, I certainly hope they are, but we still need to focus on what happened to this business because it continues to happen to everyone, whether you're a farmer, a rancher, a restaurateur like, like Sauber was. If a business didn't comply in Ohio by acting as that policing agent of the state, the Ohio Investigative Unit would cite the restaurant as noncompliant, and they'd have to appear before the Ohio Liquor Control Commission. Now, for those of you who aren't in the restaurant business, uh, liquor is where a lot of restaurants make their profit margins. And so if you have to appear before the Liquor Commission, that means you possibly might have that license revoked, which essentially is going to put you out of business. But three women from the Ohio Investigative Unit walked into his restaurant on the first day that he was allowed to be open, and they weren't in any kind of uniform. They were just in regular clothes, and their badges weren't visible. So when Sauber, the owner, asked to see their badges, these women refused to show them and instead demanded that Sauber show his identification. Well, I don't know what anybody else would think, but I know if that were me, I would wonder who the heck are these three women and why should I trust them, especially if they don't have any identification badges. So when he refused to show his ID to these women, the women called the sheriff. They said they felt threatened. 
for those of you who remember, the school boards in Loudoun County, Virginia, uh, they felt threatened by the parents that were questioning them as well, and some of them got arrested for it. Uh, that's not the way our government's supposed to work. And so when the sheriff did arrive, that's when these women finally showed their ID to Saber, and they claimed that he was interfering with their investigation. That sounds an awful lot to me like what many of the January Sixers are charged with, right? Interfering with mm-hmm. the public meeting, et cetera. Well, anyway, this whole thing costs this little restaurant guy who's just trying to survive during COVID over $6,300 in legal fees. He got off cheap. For a lot of other people, it's cost a lot more. But he also got mm-hmm. two years probation for asking these women for an ID badge. So as far as I'm concerned, we've got issues with our justice system, including our enforcement branch, which is the executive, whether that's the governor's office at the state level or whether that's the Justice Department at the federal level. If Washington, D.C. wouldn't allow evidence in the Sussman case to be heard by the jury, so I'm going to go back to your comment earlier about that, and our citizens in D.C. don't think there's anything wrong with what Sussman did, I'd say our judicial and our education system seems to be working hand-in-hand to distort justice, and this sets a very bad precedent. What the jury did is basically say that you can get away with a lot of things and the ends justify the means, and it's basically see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, which is completely detrimental to our three balanced branches of government. You know, Lisa, it is. And when you have government agencies and politicians colluding together, uh, how does the average Joe have a chance? So in Sauber's case, this is a plain harassment of a hardworking restaurant owner who is just trying to stay afloat after the hit from the COVID shutdowns. And I just want to re-mention here, in Colorado, Jared Polis, they basically came out and decided which businesses were essential and which weren't. And uh, I actually had a listener that had reached out and said that if you really read the executive order, every business was essential, but that was not the narrative that he was really pushing forward. But you get government bureaucrats that don't know what it takes to have a business, and all they care about is retaliation and flexing their power. And this behavior is disgusting, and the more power we give government, the more our freedoms are taken away and our livelihoods with them. So if we've noticed anything about this process, the state legislature is not involved. It is all executive branch, substitute dictator branch, if you prefer, governor's order, governor's executive branch, enforcement please, and governor-appointed executive branch commission as judge and executioner. Imagine what would happen with uh, your private property if you had to deal with the same type of legal structure. And how difficult is it to find an attorney willing to represent the average Joe in this case against the government? And you just sneeze at an attorney, and it's thousands of dollars, Lisa. It absolutely is. And not only does the average Joe not have much money to fight this, but a simple case can cost upwards of $100,000 or more because the other side, especially if it's the government, will delay or ask for more discovery, which just eats into the time of your own private attorney you're paying out of your pocket. Uh, so things can escalate quickly, especially when it's your tax dollars finding the um, you know, basically funding the attorneys on the other side. So it's an uphill battle when you have to fight any government agency, and therefore we have to be very careful what we allow our government agencies, or I should even just say our government, whether it's a governor's office, et cetera, uh, to do. 
because they have unlimited attorneys and money to fight us and fight us. And although we, um, like, I loved what your previous caller was doing. He was running for office. He seems like a great candidate um, that we should support. But I want people to understand that it's not just one branch of government. We have to look at all three branches of government, especially the judiciary. The judiciary. That branch um, controls who becomes a lawyer. That branch controls who becomes a judge. That's our balance for when government comes after us illegally. That's where we get redress. It's not through our legislature. It's through our courts. And if we no longer have access to our courts, then we no longer have access to justice. And, you know, most people can't even handle the pressure that they get when they have to go to court. It's, it's nerve-wracking for a lot of people. Very few people have the type of personality um, to want to fight in the first place, let alone be right. able to endure what happens. And a lot of times you also have the damage in the court of public opinion, so to speak, where, oh, gosh, you went to court, you must have done something wrong. Uh, and that happens a lot with lawyers, too, uh, where lawyers get drug into this, and we'll talk about that as well. But you also can't forget mob threats. You get left-wing protest groups that can be vicious with their verbal and sometimes even physical attacks on people, like whenever you have a cake baker, for example, that uh, doesn't want to make a cake for one group or another, they get vilified. And that's just something we can't allow to continue. Well, we can't. And uh, we're going to go to break here in just a moment. I have Lisa Bennett on the line. But Lisa, this uh, judicial activism, as if you will, I, I really saw it starting in the 1990s, where the, the radical activist left, who was very active, where they were targeting getting people uh, into uh, to become judges. And so it's been a long time in coming. And I think Trump really recognized that. And so what he did regarding getting um, appointments of federal judges is uh, super important. But I've got Lisa Bennett on the line. We're going to go to break. Before we do that, though, the nonprofit that I have really adopted here on the show is the USMC Memorial Foundation. And they are raising money to remodel the Marine Memorial out at 6th and Colfax. I was out there for their Memorial Day ceremony and love um, Paula Sarles and her group on their energy to make sure that uh, this is remodeled so that we can remember those that have given their lives, been willing to give their lives for our country. So in order to support them, you can donate at usmcmemorialfoundation.org. You can actually buy a brick for one of their walkways and honor uh, your loved one and, and their military service. So more information, usmcmemorialfoundation.org. We'll be right back with Lisa Bennett. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. 
everyone. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. On the line with me is Lisa Bennett. She is the uh, owner of Wild Skies, which is a vacation uh, cabin uh, out on the western slope. Uh, Beautiful pictures of that. And she's also really knowledgeable about so many different things happening in rural Colorado, rural America, but also um, just things that are affecting all of us. So, Lisa, before we went to break, you were mentioning about these um, kind of these mob um, reactions to just regular people trying to uh, just stand against some of these terrible policies that are occurring. But we're seeing this even happen in our military. And it just seems like our soldiers have no rights. We've had Pam Long on to talk about this. They're forced to get this COVID jab. And now the Department of Defense is looking at criminalizing soldiers for their online social accounts and views. It's It's unbelievable, Lisa. Yeah, one of the pivotal cases you had brought up that you thought, you know, you started seeing this back in the 90s, um, I'd say that it probably even started way before that. I would say the 70s, someone else might even say before the 70s, but one of the pivotal cases where the government, and the military in fact, was given additional power over our personal freedoms that were previously afforded to soldiers, such as the freedom of religion, was a 1986 case of um, Simak Goldman. He was an Air Force officer, and he was also an Orthodox Jewish rabbi. And he was facing court-martial for observing his religious requirements of wearing a yarmulke indoors while he was on duty. And for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's a small skull cap that um, Orthodox Jews wear. So he sued the Department of Defense for violating his religious freedoms, and ultimately was heard by the Supreme Court. And unfortunately, the Supreme Court sided with the military, saying that the military was actually a separate society from civil society. This is where distinctions really went south with the military. Therefore, the Constitution and Bill of Rights that each soldier is sworn to uphold was not going to apply to them when they committed themselves to military service. So, in my opinion, the Supreme Court didn't do its job to require government to prove its case, that it had a compelling reason to deny that soldier from wearing that skull cap. But, unfortunately, a lot of military personnel leave the military brainwashed into believing that the government has the right to do whatever they want with you when you're in the service. You know, that's how we ended up with this COVID jab situation with our soldiers. And I think a big part of that is because when those kids or those soldiers went to school as kids, they didn't really learn about the Constitution and their rights. So they just accepted whatever the government told them, because government is a body of authority. And we'd like to believe that we're supposed to follow all the rules and accept what they tell us and that they really do have our best interests at heart. But instead, if this is going to teach us anything, it's that government What government wants and does should be allowed for the greater good of society, but the thing is, who defines that greater good Mm -hmm. of society? You know, who are the ones making those rules? And are those rules going against our constitutional freedoms? So as far as I'm concerned, we need to go back to the freedoms listed in our Constitution, and our citizens need to pick up the Constitution, at least read it, Memorize parts of it if you can. I homeschool. My kids all have the ten bill of uh, the ten amendments for the Bill of Rights memorized. I mean, literally the long ones, every single word, comma, inflection, everything, because it's not taught in school. And if you don't know your rights, you're going to lose them. 
Well, and, and to that, Lisa, I continue to look at what our kids are being taught in these government-run public schools. And as parents are realizing this, uh, and th- I think that's maybe one of the so- possible silver linings of COVID is parents are seeing what is happening. But instead of teaching our kids the Constitution, many uh, there are, are teachers out there that are um, – teaching CRT, which is dividing our kids because of race, and then also sexualizing our kids. And so they're taking that precious time in the school day where kids could be learning the Constitution, and I would say that they are teaching them to be, they're grooming them to be victims. And uh, parents are waking up, but uh, yes, we've got to make a big change in education, and understanding our Constitution is so important. And it doesn't take that much time to read the Constitution. It's amazing, the framework of this country, you can read in not very long. So 45 that, minutes. It's about 27 pages. Yep. Okay. But uh, I wanted to just talk about attorneys. Not only are attorneys as, are expensive, but it is um, difficult to find good attorneys to represent the everyday person. And uh, other than the financial aspects of finding a lawyer, are there other problems that you you see out there? Yeah, there absolutely are. And it actually goes back to our Constitution. You know, we have three different branches of government because they're supposed to be checks and balances on each other. But when you one branch allows another branch to take over its responsibilities, then things go haywire. And I will say that for years, both on a state level and federal, our, our Congress, our legislature has actually been abdicating its responsibilities to create laws. Basically, they say, oh, let the agency figure out the rules and regulations Mm -hmm. on that. And when they give that power over to a bureaucrat, then there's no way we, the people, because we don't elect those bureaucrats. They're appointed, and most of them are in public government unions where you can't fire them even if they're not doing their job right. There's no accountability, and there's nothing we, the people, can do. And the reason why our House of Representatives only have a two-year term is so we can vote them out if they're doing a bad job. Like, don't give them more than two years to screw things up. But the other side of it is the judicial branch, which is often overlooked because most people gloss over when you start talking about legal terms and cases. They're not interested. They don't see how it applies in their life. And what I have seen in a lot of states is that it, through the constitutions, and a lot of times this is not the original constitution of the states. This is uh, amendments that have been made, and a lot of times in the 70s, like I'll, I'll give an example in Montana, 1972, they rewrote their constitution. And one thing they did is they gave the power to determine who would become an attorney to the Supreme Court of the state. Now, that seems like an innocuous thing to do. I mean, uh, wouldn't the Supreme Court know best who should be a lawyer? But what they didn't understand is the closed-loop system that they created. So we're supposed to have an executive branch that enforces things at the state level. That would be the government's office and the agencies under the governor. On the uh, other side, you've got the legislature, which is supposed to create the laws. And then the courts are either to um, say that, yes, those laws are good or no, they're not, and send things back to the other branches to determine what to do as the decisions made. But with the judicial branch in Montana, for example, they gave the power to decide who's going to become a lawyer. And what they did is they not only required law school, which should not be necessary for states don't allow or, or let you read to be a lawyer. You don't have to go to law school. But in addition, they let them make all the other rules. And one of the rules that they made was that you had to belong to the state bar association. Now, by doing that, the bar association is strictly made up of lawyers. What happens now is now they have an enforcement agency. A court is not supposed to have any enforcement power whatsoever. 
But when they said that you had to belong to the Bar Association, they now have enforcement powers. And 28 states in the District of Columbia require a state bar association. So if you're a lawyer and you take a case that they don't like or you do something, say maybe the COVID, the COVID jab is something you're not going to take and it's not right and people shouldn't take it, that can be an ethics violation. And that actually happened to a lawyer in New Mexico. Uh, they actually went after him on ethics violations, the Bar Association did, because he refused the COVID jab. And he almost got disbarred over that. Now, that's something that should not happen because when you're disbarred, your livelihood is gone. And that's an easy way to destroy conservative lawyers. And it's also an easy way to stifle freedom of speech because if you are the average Joe and you need an attorney, what are you left with if the conservative attorneys have been destroyed? If they're afraid that they'll be destroyed so they don't want to take your case, or they're afraid that a judge is going to hold it against them that they took your case. We no longer have the Atticus Finches of To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, that lawyers that for the right reason will, will take the case regardless of the court of public opinion. And, it, I mean, it's just sickening what's happening in our judicial system where we don't have access to it, not only because it's expensive and we don't have money, but because, and, and, and for those of people out there that don't know, um, Mark Elias, who's the, the great Clinton attorney, has something called Project 65. And it's called Project 65 because the uh, Trump administration had 65 attorneys that were fighting election fraud. And they went after every single one of those 65 attorneys. Now, some of them, like Rudy Giuliani, et cetera, they are in New York. And believe it or not, New York does not require the bar to be a practicing attorney in the state. So even though they went to try and disbar him there, it sort of didn't matter. He was not disbarred, but it didn't really matter to him because he was independently wealthy and retired at that point, And it wasn't necessary to be part of the bar. But when you're a lawyer, if you get any kind of bar discipline, and you decide, well, heck, I'm just going to leave the state and go to another state, if that other state requires a bar, you're likely not going to be admitted to practicing law or into that bar association so you can practice law. So you end up with this closed-loop system that suppresses the freedom of attorneys practicing because it can take away their livelihood. So lawyers should not be targets, but they are. And a lot of lawyers are not big, famous lawyers, meaning they don't have access to the press. They don't have contacts in government or other organizations to be able to afford to fend off these attacks. So they usually say, I don't want to take your case. And it's done, and you can't find anyone to represent you. So courage is needed, but also change, and not just with our elected representatives. We need to change the laws and the Constitution, possibly, in some states to not allow this to happen. Boy, this is absolutely fascinating. Lisa Bennett, uh, we're just about out of time, and we've got about 30 seconds. How do you want to button this up? Well, I want to say that we have to go back to the beginning of being a lawyer, too. If law school is required, um, who requires it and what's going on in law school? What a lot of people may not know is that a lot of left-wing liberal nonprofits actually have centers at our law school. And I want to talk a little bit next time about how that's not only affecting universities and lawyers, but corporations as well. Okay. Lisa Bennett with Wild Skies. Thank you. We all learn so much from uh, the information that you bring forward. So again, that's Lisa Bennett with Wild Skies. We'll talk to you next, to, uh, to you next month. Thank you so much, Kim. You're fantastic. 
Okay. And our quote for the end of the show is Clarence Thomas. He said, I don't believe in quotas. America was founded on a philosophy of individual rights, not group rights. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important story. Out here in Colorado, we had a sex education bill that was passed. It was signed by the governor and put into law. I just can't believe what is happening to public education. The latest in politics and world affairs. We are now using policy that if you don't affirm something, that they use policy then to take away your businesses. Today's current opinions and ideas. Kids are just being bombarded with darkness. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. You know, we need to get back to letting our kids be kids. Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Leslie, guess what today is. It's hump day. Indeed, it is hump day. And welcome to the Kim Munson Show. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we are in hour two, and each of you are treasured and valued. You have purpose today. Strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. Thank you to this team that I work with. That's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Jen, Echo, and all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Wednesday to you, producer Steve. Yeah, wonderful Wednesday. And again, just uh, for those who might be thinking it's Tuesday, it's not. Well, and it's Wednesday, so that is Wings Day at Hooters Restaurants. You buy 20, you get 10 for free, and that's uh, good on to go or to dine in. And Hooters Restaurants is a great place to watch the uh, watch the games. I love hockey. Now that we're in the playoffs, I'm kind of watching it out of the corner of my eye while I'm doing some other work. But what a game last night. The Avalanche, uh, uh, a game like this, If normally if somebody... A team scores six goals. They're going to win, but actually, the Avalanche won. It was uh, they beat Edmonton in the first game, eight to six. You talk about a lot of action, Steve. And you know who's an absolute rabid hockey fan is your audio manager, Keith. <laughs> I, he's made so, himself a an announcer via you know social media. It's, it's a riot. Oh, that's awesome. So pretty exciting game, but a great place to watch the games uh, is Hooters Restaurants. And again, um, we've got a really uh, great synopsis of how we ended up with this uh, business partnership. It's on my website, but it's really a story about freedom and free markets and capitalism. So be sure and check that out. And um, we're going to be talking with Josh Dunn, Joshua Dunn here in this second hour. And uh, we're t- I want to talk about the Supreme Court leak. And he's a perfect person to talk about this with because he is the chair of the Department of Political Science and director of the Center for the Study of Government and the individual at the University of Colorado in Colorado Springs. So that will be in the second and third segment. The fourth segment, we want to hear from you. What's on your radar? And give us a call at 303-477-5600. That's 303-477-5600. But I wanted to, because Joshua Dunn is our guest today, I thought I'm going to go to Clarence Thomas for a quote, because I love, I just 
love his constitutional uh, how, how he protects the Constitution. But we know him. He's an American lawyer who serves as an associate justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. He was nominated by President George H.W. Bush to succeed Thurgood Marshall, and he served since 1991. And do you remember that, Steve? Uh, just the feminists, that uh, how they came out and really fought his nomination. And once again, it was kind of like uh, when we saw um, Justice Kavanaugh, his confirmation hearings the, the prelude to that was the confirmation hearings for uh, Clarence Thomas back in 1991. Do you remember that? Was that Anita Hill? Yeah. The, the, fa- the fabricated part portion or the, the, the attempt to discredit him? Is that Anita Hill? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, so they use this, uh, this playbook all the time. In fact, there was uh, um, Elon Musk. Uh, I, you saw them trying to pl- use that playbook as he is trying to purchase Twitter saying that he will make Twitter a place of freedom of speech. And uh, so anyway, they use that playbook on a regular basis, but he's the second black American to serve on the court. And he was born in 1948. And he said this, he said to to define each of us by our race is nothing short of a denial of our humanity. So when we think about CRT critical race theory or whatever they call it being taught to our children, our little children in preschool, instead of, of teaching them about the sanctity of the individual, it is denying them of their humanity and we're using tax dollars, government money to do so. This has got to stop. And I talked to so many people that say, get your kids out of these government, government run schools. And Steve, there's really fine teachers in these government run schools, but then there's these radical activists that are pushing forward instead of teaching kids that they are individuals, what hard work can do. They are teaching CRT and then also sexualizing our kids through the LGBTQ Planned Parenthood agenda. And it only takes one of those bad apples, you know, and in one of the years out there to really um, do some damage on our kids. So one of the things we need to demand is transparency of what is being taught in our government-run schools. And not only parents, but grandparents, community members, we all need to see what is being taught because that's what our money is going towards. What's your thoughts on that, Steve? Well, have you seen the the lead page or the homepage of Fox News this morning? No. Because there's a story basically just exactly what you're talking about. Fairfax County, of all places in Virginia, Last fall was a blaze over the CRT thing and people showing up at school board meetings to say no. And, you know, all the baloney that went down with that in terms of uh, parents being labeled as what terrorist, I guess. Just recently, they okay, the parents showed up at the Fairfax County School Board meeting. Uh, There was to, to be a vote over the sex ed. And it was loud, and it was well attended by parents, and the board ended up deferring the vote, which I think they were more than well prepared to to run it right through, and they had to defer it. So, to your point. Okay, and I want to mention this deferring, and that is a strategy by these bureaucrats and these politicians, because it takes a lot of energy to get people to these meetings, and many parents have to find babysitters, maybe take time off from work. And so this is a strategy. Then they defer it. Then they will try to ram it through when people are not paying as much attention. 
although people are paying attention when it comes to our kids, people will show up. But that is a strategy. They should have said, no, we're not going to be teaching the sex education. And what it is in, in doing is it is grooming our children and it's bringing predators into our, our schools or our after-school programs. It's bringing the predators to them and grooming them. And this was happening, we didn't realize it. That's why transparency, shedding light on stuff is so important, but deferring it is pretty gutless. They should have made a decision on that, Steve. Well, I guess I was just kind of excited because Fairfax County now has a much improved reputation of parents who realize that, like you say, they have... They have been enlightened. They have awakened to what's going on around them, and they're you know they're doing their best to do something about it. And to your point, also about there are good teachers out there. Yes, they are. I feel bad for them because they're normally under the thumb of you know the radical union. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly right. And and so they're concerned about their pensions and. Uh, and and some of these great teachers may not know what is happening in some of these other classrooms. Isn't it but, something? What what in, in the last hour, what you and Lisa were talking about is a way the leftist radicals will find a leverage to press down good people. Like you said, yeah, yes. now these teachers are worried about their pension. Uh, last hour, you were talking about judges who are you know under the. The, the bar is looking at them, you know, sideways. Yeah, attorneys. Uh-huh. And so, so, and this has been a long time in coming. But I also see that uh, there's a great awakening happening. I, I, I feel that, I, I know that we are in the third founding of our country. And that is why when I say at the, sh- at the beginning of the show that you were made for this moment, we are at a point in history. And I think Lisa mentioned it. Sometimes it's difficult for people to stand up there's this public pressure people people like good americans they like to follow the law but the law and this we'll talk with uh, josh joshua dunn about this but many of these bureaucratic rules regulations even some of this bad legislation doesn't follow the constitution and when we talk about law we want to talk about laws that are constitutional and if they're not constitutional, then they're not good laws. We need to be electing people that will be representatives of, of uh, the people. And when legislators look at themselves as lawmakers, they're actually supposed to be representatives of the people and passing constitutional laws to protect the rights of people. And uh, here in Colorado, this is out of whack right now. And it's so interesting. Uh, I just want to mention this um, Hill piece, and we talked uh, more extensive about it in the first hour regarding Jared Polis. He is trying to make a race to the middle and distance himself, uh, himself from the agencies where he appoints the people to those agencies that have run roughshod over everyday hardworking people. And it's so interesting in this Hill piece, which they lean to the left, uh, he says, we want to make sure that we have more money in, in the pockets of uh, your, or that you can keep more of your hard-earned dollars. And uh, that's about the first time he's ever, I think, used those terms. And so he is racing to the middle because his policies and his bureaucracies have been so detrimental to the hardworking people of Colorado. He and the Democrats have broken Colorado. But we can fix it by electing these great grassroots candidates that are stepping forward. So we're going to go to break. And uh, when we come back, we'll be talking with Joshua Dunn. 
and he is a um, professor at, uh, let's see, well, I'll give the, the exact um, introduction when we come back. So stay tuned. Joshua Dunn. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Franktown Firearms owns their name and their word. They never compromise on their beliefs. They never go back on a promise, and they run their gun range the same way. Family-operated and family-friendly, Franktown Firearms doesn't answer to a corporate office. For multiple generations in business on the same property, they believe in the power of a handshake. Their team has fought to keep their range completely independent so they can go to sleep at night knowing they did it their way. Nobody would call this crew politically correct, but they treat their clients of all ages with respect and decency. They know you work hard for your money, too, so they count it an honor when you spend it with them. Stop in today and mention KLZ to get half off the initiation fee on any membership type and get access to the range after hours. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. And thank you to, uh, to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Uh, and on the line with me is Joshua Dunn. He is a professor of political science. He received his Ph.D. from the University of Virginia. And he's the professor and chair of the Department of Political Science and director of the Center for the Study of Government and the Individual at the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs. Joshua Dunn, welcome to the show. Hi, Kim. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you. And we got to meet in person up at uh, Grand Lakes U.S. Constitution Week a few years ago. And uh, that was so much fun. That's in September. And uh, you were the keynote speaker, so we got to meet in person then, and it was a great event. Oh, yes, that was a wonderful event, and it's great to have a town like that in Colorado uh, that does try to celebrate our Constitution every year. Well, and the Constitution is near and dear to your heart. And But what I wanted to ask you or talk about, first of all, is this uh, leak from the Supreme Court regarding the Roe v. Wade uh, potential decision. What's your thoughts about that, Joshua Dunn? Uh, well, <laughs> I have a few, so I'll try to, I'll try to keep them short. Uh, first, the leak itself is astonishing. Uh, this really is, uh, I think, 
a devastating blow to the to how the Supreme Court functions. They do depend on the the, the really the privacy of their discussions and, and deliberations, and, the, and there are many reasons for that. And they work very hard to try and keep this this kind of thing out of the public eye. There have been leaks before, but I can't think of anything this significant or this, or, or this comprehensive. So this is going to lead to very strained relations on the Supreme Court for uh, for some time. Now, as far as the decision itself. Um, yeah, I wasn't certain. I, I knew that there were at least five to six votes on the court who thought that Roe versus Wade was clearly unconstitutional. The question was whether or not they were willing to vote to actually overturn Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. And, uh, you know, obviously it looks like there at least at some point have been five votes to do that. And we'll see. Maybe there's a six. They might be uh, the, the five who, who sided with that leaked opinion. Maybe they'll be able to pull John Roberts as well. Do you think that this leak was in a way trying to bully the Supreme Court justices to uh, make a different decision as they are apparently leaning towards pushing Roe v. Wade? It's not really overturning Roe v. Wade, is it, Joshua? It's really uh, pushing that decision back to the state. So I see the word overturned. Is that a correct term? I think it is a correct term to, to say that Roe v. Wade, by, by saying that Roe v. Wade was wrongly decided, you are essentially uh, over, overturning it. Uh, and then it just re- yeah, returns it to the status that, uh, that abortion was before 1973. Um, now, I think that what you your, your speculation that it was released to try to influence how some of the justices were voting is probably the, the most accurate, uh, given what we know right now. Uh, yeah, obviously the court is go- undergoing an investigation, and we just heard yesterday that the, the clerks have been required to turn over their cell phone information, and some of them are trying to hire attorneys uh, and uh, to potentially challenge this, which would be interesting because they would be challenging affidavits from the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court would, of course, be the institution that would ultimately decide the legality of those affidavits. Um, so that would be a fascinating one. But I do think that the, the, the best... Uh, explanation right now. The one that makes the most sense is that there was probably a clerk from one of the uh, liberal justices on the court who was very angry about what those uh, who had joined that opinion, those five justices who had joined that opinion wanted to do, and released it to try to perhaps exert some political pressure, perhaps try to motivate Congress to try to do something. In the meantime, there had been talk about uh, Democrats trying to expand the court and then pack it with sympathetic justices. Um, so maybe that was in the back, the back of the mind of, of, of one of these clerks. I do think that it, it, that was unlikely to work. If anything, it would backfire that maybe there was a wavering justice who, uh, after this happened, if, uh, if that justice thought that this was released to try to change his or her mind, uh, they would actually convince them to, to remain with that majority. Well, Joshua Dunn, this is a small pool of people that could have had access to this information and released it. So I, I've i got to think we're going to find out who did this. What's your thoughts? Uh, I, mean, I think that we will, because I think that they will find out who, who did it. The question is whether or not the Supreme Court itself will release the name. I think it will be difficult for this it, once the Supreme Court knows who did it, for word not for word not to get out, but it could be that the the Supreme Court would prefer for it not to be uh, revealed to the public, and they might try to to keep it hidden. Uh, so I think that's the question right now. Yeah, I think it's uh, you know maybe seventy to seventy five people who would have had access to a draft opinion like that. And given the nature of the leak, it wasn't one of the justices. 
they had to, uh, the reporters had to confirm and so forth. If it was the justice who was giving it to them, it was they weren't going to have to confirm anything. Um, so, uh, I, yeah, I, I think that they will find out who it was and that we will likely find out. But there's a chance that the Supreme Court will try to uh, prevent us from finding out. Uh, but if it is revealed, it's going to be it's going to make the I think the professional consequences for the leaker um, very significant. Uh, these clerks, they um, it's a very select group and you get lots of professional um, perks and bonuses. Uh, in fact, real signing bonuses to join law firms. If you've been a Supreme Court clerk, all of that would likely go away because there's not there's not a, a large firm in the country that would be willing to hire you. Uh, if it has any business before the Supreme Court, um, if they find out that you were the leaker. Well, and you mentioned uh, early on in the conversation about strained relations. And I'm just thinking if I were uh, Justice Roberts, I would probably try to not have the name of the leaker uh, disclosed because that's really going to strain relations, I think, on the Supreme Court. So I could see why they would try to keep that in-house, Joshua. That, that's a possibility. And Chief Justice Roberts, he does view himself as the protector, the institutional protector of the, of the court. I think that's led him to make some pretty serious miscalculations, though, uh, to make some, very, some, some political decisions that have come to backfire on him, uh, I, where I think he's joined opinions where he thought that um, the, the other side was actually correct, but he was just trying to, to maintain what he thought was the political integrity of, uh, uh, of, of the court. So it could be that he would want to do that. The question is whether or not the other justices, particularly the ones who, were, who, who have joined, uh, and let's say they continue to join that, that draft leaked opinion, uh, they very well might want it to be revealed uh, because they think the public might have a right to know about what kind of person is actually trying to damage the Supreme Court in this way. Uh, it also might matter for them because they would they, it could be that there are certain kinds of people coming from certain kinds of places that are more willing to do this kind of thing. Uh, and they would want other not only justices on the Supreme Court to know about this, but also lower court judges who hire clerks out of law school. Um, so it, it could be that there would be significant pressure put on the chief justice. Uh, by other justices on the court, particularly from the conservative wing, to reveal who did it, simply to really be a warning shot <laughs> to others. Say, don't we? We don't want people like this. So don't send your students to us who are likely to do this kind of thing. Um, so I think that that there will be there will be significant pressure on the chief justice on on, on this question. Well, I could not believe what I have seen uh, after this leak of um, protesters going to the homes of Supreme Court justices and uh, protesting in front of their homes. That is unprecedented, I think, here in America, isn't it, Joshua? Well, yeah, I, I, I think for Supreme Court justices, I don't know, there could have been uh, people who have shown up at Supreme Court justices' houses in the in the past, uh, maybe in the 19th century or parts of the 20th century that I'm just I'm just not aware of, but certainly in the contemporary time, it's it's unprecedented. Uh, you know, we've obviously had people protest at the Supreme Court, but go to go to their houses to really try to influence how they would decide on a case. Yes, we uh, th- this really is astonishing. Uh, and again, I suspect that it's going to if they thought that it was actually going to change justices' minds. 
I think it's going to backfire on them. Uh, it, it really is such a um, an inappropriate thing to do. Uh, and I think it's going to stiffen the resolve of, of some of the justices. And I think even the justices who are in the minority, or at least most of them, uh, on, on this question, that they are appalled by it as well. Um, so uh, one of the reasons that the Supreme Court, Supreme Court justices have life tenure is to provide the, some independence for them so that they can avoid political pressure so that they can uh, properly apply justice. That is, that they aren't supposed to be influenced by, by, by public pressure. And so this really cuts to the heart of that. Um, so, yeah, it really is uh, go, going much farther than anything we've seen recently. Uh, and uh, again, I, I don't think that it's that it's going to work. And it's also dangerous. It's just it's just very dangerous as well. OK, well, uh, Joshua Dunn, let's go to break here. I want to continue to talk a little bit more about the this whole Roe v. Wade question and uh, and overturning Roe v. Wade, pushing this decision back to the states. Uh, it seems like that's where it's supposed to be from a constitutional standpoint. But I'm talking with Joshua Dunn. And uh, he is uh, a professor at the University of uh, Colorado at Colorado Springs regarding the Supreme Court um, leak on the potential Roe v. Wade decision. Uh, but before we go to break, uh, the nonprofit that I am really getting behind, and, and part of it is because of all the work that we do over in our, our America's Veterans Story show, is the USMC Memorial Foundation. And they are raising money to remodel the Marine Memorial out at 6th and Colfax. And my friends, it is so important that we remember, we reflect, that we have this place that we can do that where these stories are are there. And uh, Paula Sarles, her team, is doing amazing work. And you can support it by going to the USMCMemorialFoundation.org. That's USMCMemorialFoundation.org. You can donate there. Father's Day is right around the corner. You can buy a brick for the walkways that they're going to have. Uh, whether or not your uh, loved one's a Marine or from another branch of service, uh, there's these different walkways. You can buy a brick to honor them. Uh, but that is at USMCMemorialFoundation.org and would highly recommend that you support them. It's a very important nonprofit. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back with Joshua Dunn. Medical freedom and personal choice are both sacred to comprehensive, patient-first health care. At Roots Medical, our providers honor those rights diligently in every appointment. Located in Denver Tech Center, Roots Medical is a functional primary care clinic with specialties in hormones, thyroid, gut health, detox, and COVID recovery. Establishing care with us is just a text message away, 303-569-6794. For more information, visit rootsmedical.net. Roots Medical is a proud member of Colorado Healthcare Providers for Freedom. The Metro home ownership real estate market is very tight right now. That's why Kim Munson recommends you have seasoned REMAX realtor Karen Levine on your side of the table. Karen Levine will help you navigate through the many details of your home buying experience so that you can successfully pursue your American dream. Because Karen Levine cares about property rights for each individual, she volunteers hundreds of hours to represent home ownership opportunities at the local, county, state, and national levels. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Monson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. 
Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N, dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. Uh, we are an independent voice searching for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. And on the line with me is Joshua Dunn. And he is a professor with University of uh, Colorado, Colorado Springs. He is the chair of the Department of Political Science and the director of the Center for the Study of Government and the Individual. Joshua Dunn, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the history of Roe v. Wade. Colorado, I think, was the first state in the nation to legalize abortion back in 1967. So tell us a little bit about the the whole Roe v. Wade, this whole abortion question and getting it legalized. What's your thoughts on that, Joshua? Yeah, so this was a legal strategy. There were some activists back in the 1960 that really started to develop test cases to, to, to lead to a, uh, the decision that would become uh, become Roe versus Wade. Uh, as you mentioned, states were uh, loosening some of their abortion laws, Colorado, California, New York, other states. Uh, had 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 done some of this, but that was not what some of these activists wanted. They wanted a policy uh, to be imposed upon the entire country, uh, and so that's what then led to Roe versus Wade. And some of what they did, I, I, it's commonly knowledge now among among scholars and historians that some of the history, for instance, that they cre- they really created uh, was was just falsified uh, in order to try to lead to a decision by the Supreme Court uh, that would declare abortion to be a con- uh, a constitutional right. Uh, and for many reasons, um, that in, uh, being one of them, uh, the Roe versus Wade itself has always been regarded as something of a, an embarrassment of constitutional reasoning. Uh, it's very, it's very difficult to find anyone, anyone, uh, who will defend Roe versus Wade on constitutional grounds. Some of the most severe critics of Roe versus Wade have actually been pro-choice constitutional scholars, and they were critical precisely because they thought it was so, so poorly reasoned and poorly written. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's not to me, it's not surprising that Roe versus Wade, given its extremely shaky constitutional foundations and Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which has even shakier constitutional foundations, is now being considered uh, for being reversed. After all, remember that one of the critics of Roe versus Wade thought that it was uh, poorly reasoned and went too far was, in fact, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, and that was one of the reasons that some feminist organizations criticized her nomination to the Supreme Court. Um, so, yeah, this uh, and she she had, and when she was when she got on the court, she, of course, ended up being one of the most um uh, the one, one of the one of the strongest defenders of Roe versus Wade to Planned Parenthood versus Casey, uh, but that didn't change the fact that she still initially thought that Roe itself she called extreme and a mistake and it went too far and it was too heavy handed, all sorts of things. Well, that is so interesting. So then we saw just recently that there had been a bill that had been introduced in Congress to uh, make the decision of abortion a a, a federal law. Uh, and I may not get, be getting the terms exactly correct, but we have a candidate on the Republican side of the ticket for U.S. Senate, who I was at a luncheon last week, and he said that he would have voted for that. And so even if we're not looking at the abortion question, 
I was shocked that he would vote to basically take this decision, put it at the federal level instead of at the state's level where it's supposed to be, which I I think is an affront to the 10th Amendment where it says that uh, powers that are not uh, relegated to the um, federal government goes to the states and the individual. And uh, so it was not the grassroots candidate that said that. It was the other candidate. And I was shocked. What What's your thoughts on that particular piece of legislation, Joshua Dunn? Yeah, so I think that it would be overturned by the Supreme Court uh, because it would violate the Commerce Clause authority of Congress. So that's what Congress would have to do. They would have to say that this... Uh, uh, affects interstate commerce, and therefore Congress has the authority to pass it. I think there are clearly five, probably six votes on the Supreme Court who think that that exceeds Congress's Commerce Clause authority. There was, in fact, another case where Justice Thomas, the case was Gonzalez versus Carhartt, where Congress had passed the partial birth abortion uh, ban, and the dilation extract, forbidding the dilation and extraction uh, method, and he joined the majority. He said, however, no, if someone had basically strongly implied in a concurring opinion that if someone had raised the Commerce Clause argument, that he very well might have agreed uh, with them and said that, 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 that Congress passing that ban would have exceeded their Commerce Clause power. So even if Congress passes it, I think that you're going to see a federal – you're going to see a challenge in, in federal court or go to the Supreme Court. And unless there are significant changes in the composition of the Supreme Court, uh, the Supreme Court would strike it down. I also don't know that there are actually the votes in Congress to do that. Um, so this, some of this, I think, is political posturing in light of the leaked, uh, in light of the leaked opinion. Okay. Uh, so next question, and that is, is uh, people that we elect are, are supposed to be representatives of the people. And Lisa Bennett said in the first hour, and I realized this, we, we kind of have a fourth branch of government. It's this whole bureaucratic administrative state. They're not accountable to the people, and but they live off of the people. Um, and there are electeds who are politicians who abdicate their responsibility, they push these decisions over to these bureaucracies so that at voting time, these uh, legislators do not have to be accountable to the people. How can, and I guess the next question is, is, is how can how can we reclaim this American idea of representative government? And isn't every law, every rule, regulation, ordinance, shouldn't that stand up to the muster of the U.S. Constitution? What's your thoughts on that, Joshua Dunn? Yeah, so one effort that's underway right now is try to revive or resuscitate what's known as the non-delegation doctrine. And the idea behind the non-delegation doctrine is that Congress is not authorized to delegate its legislative authority to another institution. Uh, and this was, uh, it, throughout most of American history, we had a non-delegation doctrine. And the idea was that Congress could not delegate anything that looked like legislative authority unless it was severely circumscribed and well-guided. Uh, but the last time the court really applied the non-delegation doctrine in any uh, rigorous way was back in the 1930s. Uh, and the court abandoned it after that. And now there is an attempt, and I think that there are several justices on the court that would like to to revive the non-delegation doctrine. And what that would essentially do is require Congress, if you want to authorize an agency 
uh, to do these kinds of things, you have to actually make the rules, most of the rules that the agency is going to enforce. Because what Congress does now is that it simply says, go and solve this problem. And then the agency is authorized to create these mountains and mountains of rules They have the full force of law. I mean, after all, if you violate one of the rules uh, created by one of these agencies, you know, look what's going to happen to you. You can be fined. You can be thrown thrown in prison. So they 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 look like laws. They act like laws. They're basically laws. Uh, And so what what some would like to do is have the Supreme Court try to force Congress to actually do its job. (laughs) That is, it's the it's the chief legislative branch. Um, It's the lawmaking authority. So it can't simply outsource uh, this lawmaking authority uh, to to these really unaccountable agencies. Well, do you think this is going to go anywhere, Joshua? I think there's a chance. I think there there are several justices on the court who have indicated uh, that they are very concerned about the nature of the authority that's been delegated and given to the uh, given to these agencies, and that they might want to. to cut away at it. Uh, and then really, once again, uh, it, really all they're doing is just telling you know, Congress, do your job by, by doing that. And I, I, think, I think there are several votes on the court right now. The question is not whether or not we have five. Um, and we very well might. I think there are going to be some cases that are going to be right now. I guarantee you that there are people who are, are already either filing or have filed cases that would raise this question about the non-delegation doctrine for the Supreme Court to decide within the next few years. Oh, I find that extremely exciting. That would be a way that we could start to reclaim our representative government. Uh, although I've got to think that all these bureaucrats are going to be kicking and screaming to not let that happen. We've got just a couple of minutes left. It's a fascinating conversation on all of this. How would you like to button this up, uh, Joshua Dunn? Well, I think the first thing is that... Um, Look at the responsibility of Supreme Court justices. We have a constitutional system, and this is what's been lost in much of the public commentary on this leaked draft opinion. Uh, a lot of people say, oh, well, this has been the law for 50 years. Look, when the people, when, when someone is appointed to the Supreme Court, they take an oath to uphold the Constitution. They don't take an oath to uphold what they regard as past mistakes or past unconstitutional decisions by previous uh, Supreme Court justices. Yes, precedent matters, but ultimately the first object of loyalty for any official in the United States government is to the Constitution. Your, uh, your loyalty should not be to what you regard as an egregious mistake by past political actors or governmental actors. And so I think that's the most important thing. This is a constitutional system. They should uphold the Constitution more than anything else. And so if you actually had a justice who voted to uphold the decision that he or she regarded as wrongly decided by a previous uh, Supreme Court, they'd be violating their oath. They'd be violating their oath. Uh, And so I think that that's the most important thing that people should keep in mind with this, because, again, it's actually very difficult to find people who will defend Roe versus Wade, even I guarantee you get Justice Kagan, get Justice Breyer and ask them to defend Roe versus Wade, the actual reasoning of Roe versus Wade. They won't do it. They will not do it uh, because it's basically impossible to defend. I mean, you, you go and read the decision itself. There's really no constitutional analysis. It's just a constitutional assertion. So that's the thing that I think uh, most people should should keep in mind. I, you know, I wish that more of the our, our commentary would focus on that. I understand why it's not, because it's such a... Uh, uh, you know, divisive political issue, uh, but that's the most important thing for justices. 
Okay, great. Uh, Joshua, I've learned so much uh, on this. I so appreciate uh, the interview. So thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you again very soon. Okay, thanks for having me, Kim. Okay. And before we go to break, and when, when we come back, I want to hear from you, uh, what's on your radar. And of course, they've had just a whole bunch of information, uh, that we've shared during the show. But before we go to break, uh, the show comes to you because of you who support us, as well as these great partners. And one of those partners is Kirsch Insurance Group. They're specialists in the Medicare arena. And uh, like Lauren Levy over in the mortgage arena, they work with a lot of different brokers. So they have lots of different options to help you uh, tailor your Medicare plan so that it works best for you. It doesn't cost you anything. And uh, so I would recommend that you have them on your side of the table. And uh, Marlon, Danielle, Naomi, the, the whole team over there, just really great people. And you can reach them at ikirsch.com. That's I-K-I-R-S-C-H.com, ikirsch.com. So we're going to go to break. When we return, I want to hear from you uh 303-477-5600 303-477-5600 want to hear what's on your radar we'll be right back inflation is rocking our boats especially for individuals on fixed incomes if you are 62 years or older mortgage specialist with polygon financial group lauren levy can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on. That's why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now, more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. Kim has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim can use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at Kim Munson. That's M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And I want to hear what's on your radar, 303-477-5600, 303-477-5600. And Producer Steve, I learned a lot from both from Lisa Bennett and Joshua Dunn. What's your thoughts? Well, it's a... <laughs> Both of them kind of you know, opened my eyes to the fact that how different entities, whether they be you know, legally legal people or, or doctors, or are, can be quickly in this day and age be put under the thumb of some authority that it would make them, you know, for the reasons of making them do things that uh, you know the the left, the Democrats want them to do. Right. And we really saw that during the uh, COVID lockdowns uh, here in Colorado, which um, that was under the Polis administration need to remember that uh, regarding determining businesses that were essential and not essential. 
And if businesses uh, tried to open up, even though and one of our listeners had said, if you really read the executive order, you could say my business is essential. But we saw we saw such pressure regarding licensing uh, our friend Jen Hewlin with Waters Edge Winery, uh, Tri-County Health, which is now, I guess, no county health because I think everybody got out of that. Right, Steve? <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, but they actually sent people to her business with the. Uh, Arapahoe County Sheriff's uh, with them as well, just because she was wanting to run her business. This happened under the Polis administration. This happened, and even though he's trying to distance himself from these decisions, it was it's his bureaucracies and the people that he pointed to these bureaucracies that carried out the heavy-handedness of that. There was nothing libertarian about that at all, Steve. Well, I'm just thinking about how intrusive now it's, it's as it goes through our culture. We've talked about politicians. Uh, we talked about uh, people in the legal system. We talked about teachers who are you know being put under the thumb. Uh, it it's it kind of blows your mind because the freedoms again it's a freedom issue uh, how they're being basically trashed. Well, and and to that point again, 303-477-5600. Would love to have you join in on the conversation on this as well. 303-477-5600 is what has happened is in some ways there have been good things. For example, teachers, their pensions, police officers, their pensions. But now what we've seen is, is if you don't do what we say, your pensions could be at risk. Or businesses, if you do not do what we say, as um, Lisa mentioned in the first segment regarding this uh, little business in Ohio, uh, if they did not act as uh, the police for the government, then they might lose their license. This is upside down. It's been a long time in coming. Silver lining of COVID is that we see that it's here. Another silver lining is so many people saying, I've got to do something. These great grassroots candidates that are stepping up to be representatives of the people. It is an exciting time. It's a messy time. It's a scary time. It's a dangerous time. But this is our time, and this is our time in history, Steve. All right. That's uh, up to the uh, taking us to the present. Now, how about the future? Uh, Think about this ESG thing that we're hearing about mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in terms of you not you as an individual not playing the way they want you to right and uh, okay so you bring that up and that's um this new esg ratings that different companies can have and that's the camel's nose under the tent and it stands for i think environment environmental social uh, governance social governance and interestingly enough uh, one of the big Republican operative firms here in Colorado that run a lot of political campaigns that uh, do a lot of the petition gathering, they are seeing that there's money in this very onerous um, ESG agenda. And so they have decided to get on the bandwagon. And instead of fighting it, they are actually creating a division where they will help uh, corporations with their ESG ratings. It's like, come on, guys, we, we need to be standing against this stuff instead of trying to make money off of it. And and so right now it is corporations. But you know what would be next? It's going to be individuals. So when the camel is putting its nose underneath the tent, we need to slap it and get it out of there instead, because if we don't, pretty soon the camel is going to be in the tent, Steve. 
<laughs> yeah, it uh, brings to mind quite quite the picture. It does. I'm thinking of, uh, you know, grabbing a shovel and knocking that camel's nose under the tent. But that is why here in Colorado, when I say that Colorado is broken, uh, it, it is. We look at crime. We look at, gosh, going into the city, the trash and the the homeless um situation that we have but yet there's big money in that there's all these quote-unquote stakeholders that are coming to the table the stakeholders are the organizations that make money off of the problem and if they're making money off the problem and they solve the problem then the gravy train goes away and so these stakeholders are not interested in solving the problem they just come come together they talk about it and the problem gets worse because there's more and more money there and um so when I take a look at where Colorado is, uh, you have to look at the responsibility of the radical activists that have taken over the Democrat Party here. And so they have the legislature. They have the legislature. They've got the governorship. And that is why we must elect these great grassroots candidates, such as Greg Lopez for governor, Tina Peters for secretary of state, and Ron Hanks for U.S. Senate. But Rhonda in northern Colorado, welcome to the show. What's on your radar? Good morning, Kim. Um, so people who were recipients and maybe got to do some of the um, unemployment claim, if their hours were cut back when COVID had first started, um, let's not forget how Jared Polis made us all pay taxes on that. Oh, I did not realize that. Yes, me. When, when the federal government had first said that, you know, they weren't going to tax people on that, then he went and shoved it to the states. Well, our notorious governor made the taxpayers in Colorado that got unemployment benefits during COVID because their hours were cut. You had to file that on your income tax. Yes, his uh, his rhetoric now that it's uh, getting close to election time is uh, is anything but that. He's saying with this money that now that he it's our Tabor refunds, but uh, interestingly enough, he's going to send those out before election time, and now he's using the term hard working. Uh, or your hard-earned dollars. It's fascinating on this race to the middle. Rhonda in Northern Colorado, thank you so much for making that point. It is an important one. And who's our next caller, Steve? Have a good day. Thank you. Susan in Fort Collins, what's on your radar? Hi. I just wanted to remind you that up in Fort Collins that there was uh, not a, a time not that long ago where they wanted to use our tax dollars here to be the mask police, so the extension of the law up here, and uh, they wanted businesses to, to do that kind of enforcing, and they would be rewarded with our tax money up here. I forgot about that as well. And uh, again, they would reward businesses for uh, being masking police. And I think Jared Polis at this particular point in time, and many of those in the legislature, that have have really given the power over to these bureaucracies and put money behind it. Uh, and now they're trying to distance themselves from those very bad policies. But if they're reelected, then once again, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine what they might do the next time around on this whole power grab. And so this particular election is so important here in Colorado. Uh, they have broken Colorado. We look at um, number one in car thefts, number one in bank robberies. 
uh, we go to, I mean, people don't even want to go to downtown Denver. When I think about Steve, the money that was spent on Union Station, which was so cool. It was beautiful. The money that was spent and those little businesses that were around there. I have not been back since before COVID. And because of the crime around Union Station, people are not going to go there. And just think what that does to those entrepreneurs around, around, um, Union Station. I I probably should go down and see if they're still in business, but I'm going to do it in broad daylight for sure. We've got about a minute. Steve, what's your thoughts? Well, just to back up your point, uh, the son-in-law wanted to go to a Rockies game, and normally where we live, we would jump on light rail. But obviously, we'd be going right through Union Station and then walking that last five or six blocks to the stadium. And I I said to him point blank, he said, well, uh, I guess we'll have to investigate what parking is all about. Because I'm just not seeing that I want to go through Union Station. So it, it's a very real thing. It is a very real thing. And so Colorado has been broken under these very terrible policies, these radical activist Democrat policies. And I've got to think that moderate Democrats, unaffiliated, libertarians, Republicans, conservatives, we want to have people that will represent us. And that's why getting these grassroots candidates uh, elected is so important. And uh, any candidate that reaches out to me, I will get them on the show. Uh, typically, it is that second segment in the first hour so that you can get to know them a little bit better. So I so appreciate you joining us. Uh, we're out of time today. So our quote for the end of the show is from Clarence Thomas. And he says, I don't believe in quotas. America was founded on a philosophy of individual rights, not group rights. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. Tell them.